Good morning, and uh, again, welcome to Journey. We're glad you're here today. All of you, uh, good, to, good to have some guests with us today, as well as everyone. I think we're all dragging a little bit. I, Jake is normally so energetic. He looked a little draggy this morning. I think it had something to do with driving like 20 hours yesterday uh, from Alabama, but uh, getting in late. But man, uh, we're glad you're here today, and everybody uh, survived and is in recovery mode uh, from the turkey and everything. And I'm excited about uh, Christmas coming up. I feel like we're going to be jumping right in talking about uh, preaching on Christmas uh, right now, but we're going to complete uh, this uh, short series on prayer. And then in two weeks, we're going to begin our Christmas series, which is called Skinny Santa. Skinny Santa. So uh, think about that for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're gonna, that'll take us kind of through our, our Christmas season here. Uh, but, you know, um, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about prayer. It's our second sermon in that series. And uh, I don't know about you, but I challenged you last week uh, to really start focusing on your prayer life and, uh, and really start seeking God and trying to find the areas of your life that you can improve. And for some people, that might mean that you start praying. Uh, that you don't spend a lot of time in prayer. We talked about tossing prayers up in crisis and, uh, you know, in desperation or when we pray with our kids. You know, or maybe it means that you have a, a prayer life, but it's not where you want it to be, and you really want to deepen that. And we're trying to give you some, uh, some ways, some practical ways to do that. Uh, today we're going to be talking about learning how to please God through our prayers. And, and I just wonder, how many of you guys here today are, are what you would call a people pleaser? Are you a people pleaser? Well, you guys like either don't care about people or uh, I don't know. But I'm one of those people pleasers, and if somebody asks me to do something, I'm going to do my best to do it, and, uh, and you know, my, my, my doggone best, and especially if it's my wife. You know what I mean? So the other day, I went to the grocery store, and Lori called me up. She said, hey, we need some dog chews. I don't have to tell you what I think about dogs. You already know that, right? But dogs chew on stuff all the time, and I guess it's supposed to be the right thing. And those things are expensive. So she had found a bag of chews that she wanted to get more of. So I'm in Kroger, and I'm looking for them. And she described them, and I can't find them at all. And so suddenly I had this idea. is like, hey, why don't we just FaceTime? You know, we'll just FaceTime, and I'll just use a camera to try to find these chews. So I'm in Kroger, and I got my phone on, and, you know, they're down low. And I'm, I'm like this all over the dog. I, I mean, I felt like an idiot, you know, but I thought if I score these shoes, that's going to be a great thing. And we're looking and everything, and she's, no, that's not them. That's not them. And it finally turned out that we, they didn't have any more because they were such a great deal, I guess. But I thought through that process, you know, that's kind of how we are with God. We're trying to please God. We're searching. We're trying to find the way that, you know, the right combination, the right thing that God wants us to do. It's a lot like prayer. And we really want to know, please God. We want to know God. We want to. We know we need to pray. We want to pray, uh, and we know God's pleased with that. But we don't always know how to pray. We don't know how to pray, and so we're kind of like the disciples, you know. Uh, in Luke chapter eleven, this is how we began the series, where the, the title comes from. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. We want to get better at this. We want to learn how or we want to improve our personal prayer life. And so that's kind of what this study is all about here for the next couple of weeks or so. And uh, in Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6, uh, we're looking at that. And Jesus gave them, in response to their request, Jesus gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Now, for a lot of people, they feel like, oh, we just need to pray these words that Jesus gave. And they're, obviously, they're great words. We're not knocking them at all. But, but Jesus didn't say, when you pray, say this. What he said was, when you pray, this then is how you should pray. Not the exact words, but a model for prayer. And last week, we, we began in talking about that, and we said that when we pray, we start with worship. 
In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. And we talked about the fact that when we hallow something, we kind of recognize it as special, as holy. And so we come to God beginning in worship. Whatever, however we come in worship or in prayer to God, we ought to start that with acknowledging who God is. Acknowledging who God is. And I said that maybe for some of us it might be singing a song. If you have a hard time acknowledging the greatness of God, the holiness of God, maybe begin with the song, How Great Thou Art, is a great place to start. And I love that old song. You know, or, or maybe it's just uh, thanking God for what he has done and, and who he is. But come to God, first of all, with worship. And then we said, secondly, we continue with full surrender and confidence in his ability to answer our prayer. So that's kind of an overall view of that. But today we're going to take us a, look, uh, at a, a closer look at the second element, which is surrender. Learning how to surrender in God, that in our prayer, that's a, a huge part of our prayer life. It is the first and primary thing that we should pray for. And, and Jesus went on in, in verse 10 of Matthew 6 and said this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what do our prayers need to be like? They need to be said, praying that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me ask you this, is God's will done in heaven? Absolutely. Everything that happens there is exactly what God wants. Now, the other question is, is God's will always done on earth? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There are plenty of things that happen in our earth that are not God's will. However, it is a part of his permissive will. He allows things to happen. He's not out of control, but he allows things to happen that we know God is not, not pleased with, not honored with. So our prayer ought to be, God, we want to make what happens here pleasing to you in so much as we can control it in our own lives. And what we want to do in our prayer is that we want to get God's perspective on what is being done or what we are doing personally. See, prayer is not giving God a list of to-dos. That would be easy for us. We, we know what we want, and so we could just write those down. God, this is what I want you to do for me. Or prayer is not also filling God in on what's going on down here on the earth as if he doesn't know. God, I don't know if you realize what's happening here or there. God already knows all that stuff. He does. And we shouldn't be trying to get God involved primarily in our earthly issues. Instead, we ought to be trying to get ourselves involved in heavenly issues and thinking that way. In other words, we're not trying to change God's perspective to match our own. God, you need to come down here and fix everything. And let me tell you what all those things are for me specifically, my point of view. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to get him to change his perspective based on our own perspective, but we are trying to get our perspective changed to match God's and to be aligned with the will of God. That's what Jesus was saying. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is already being done in heaven. So let me ask you this. What if prayer is, not, is less about God focusing on us and more about us focusing on God? Have you ever thought about that? That we're not trying to get God's attention. Hey, God, God, I got a problem. Come here, come here, give me your attention and do what I want you to do. Instead, it is more about God getting our attention, is giving our attention to God. It's not about God moving toward us. It's about us moving toward God. We don't need to be so concerned about God fixing everything on this earth because, unfortunately, he's not going to do that. 
If he were going to do that, he would have begun by fixing things so that his son didn't have to die. He would, have, he would have begun by making everything perfect back in the Bible times, and God didn't always do that. And we all know by, you know, our own history and experience that there are things that we don't understand that God allows to happen. God is not going to fix everything on earth. Earth is kind of broken. And God is, God is working in that brokenness, but he's not going to fix everything here. So we're not trying to get God down here and bringing heaven to earth, but instead we're wanting for God to bring us up to heaven. We're wanting for God to lift our sights and our focus to him. And when we do that, we discover that God may change some of those things we're praying for, but God absolutely changes us. God changes us. So let me ask you another question. What if prayer is not about changing things, but about changing us? Could you accept that, that God may not change everything you ask him, but through your prayers, you're going to be changed in the process. And you're going to discover God's will more for your life. So today, to kind of look toward that, we're going to be looking at a, another prayer, a kind of a case study of prayer. And this is a famous prayer that I, I shared with you, referenced a few weeks ago, and it's from First Chronicles chapter 4. And it's what many call the prayer of Jabez. It's a very small mention of a man that we never hear from again, and it's an isolated time in First Chronicles 4, but he was a guy who knew how to pray. He knew how to pray, and he can teach us a lot about prayer ourselves. And so we're going to kind of look at that prayer a little bit. And let me just read it to you again. I did a few weeks ago, but let me come back to it. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, do you remember, and it's in the scripture, but do you remember what Jabez means? The, the word Jabez, it means pain. It means pain. In other words, she named her son pain because he was a pain being born. And I was thinking, you know what, if all mothers practiced that, they would probably call every kid pain. Because I understand that there's pain in childbirth. We had a, a baby born in our family a, a few weeks ago, and uh, I wasn't around there, thank goodness. Uh, but there was a lot of pain. I heard about it. I heard about the pain. So what a, what a horrible thing to tag your child with, though, to call him pain. Because, you know, in that day, what your name meant was pretty significant. And people actually, they would recognize that. And you kind of live with that all your life. So can you imagine the kids teasing him? about being named pain and mocking him as he grew up. And not only that, but oftentimes your pain led, your name, your name led to your destiny. So if you were called pain, probably people looked at you in that way and you looked at yourself in that way. And Jabez didn't have a lot of promise in life. You know, he, he was downtrodden in a lot of ways. But he was different. In fact, the Bible says he was more honorable. And what that means is that he kind of rose above his circumstances and he sought God, and God answered him. And he asked God for four things in this short outline that will help us understand what to ask God for. I think this is incredible. In fact, my prayers have been shaped more like this since I kind of discovered this and, and was reading about this. But these four things will help us understand how to pray because they're seeking after God's will and our place in, in, in God's will trying to find what God wants us to do and how do we pray. And obviously these four things honored God because his prayers were answered. It says that God heard Jabez and, and he responded to his prayer. 
So what are the four things that we should ask God for every day? And this is a practical thing. And if you write things down, you might want to write these down. Uh, I did, and I put these as a part of my prayer time. So as an outline, they might help you out. First of all, what do we pray for? First of all, we pray for blessing. We pray for blessing. And he said, uh, Jabez said, God, that you would bless me. Now, this is not what you think it is, all right? Because when I read that, I'm thinking, oh, Jabez wanted more stuff, right? It was kind of like a name it and claim it, a health and wealth, prosperity type of prayer. God, just bless me, just pour the blessings on me. But you know what? That's not what it means. Not what it means. In fact, blessing is supernatural favor of God. That's what blessing is. It is the favor of God on your life. It's having God on your side. Let me tell you how we see that pretty clearly in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is giving a series of statements, and we call them the Beatitudes. They're on the section of the, of the Gospels we call the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And these are the Beatitudes. And if you remember them, I'm not going to read them all. But blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed the meek, those who mourn, those who are merciful, those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted, those who are insulted, those who are slandered, Blessed are them. And all of them, all those blessings are followed by a reward. But if you look at those rewards, they are not tangible things. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the poor in spirit, they're going to be rich one day. Blessed are the insulted because they're going to get even with people. No, it doesn't say all of those things. When it says they're going to be rewarded, but all of the rewards are spiritual blessings. They are spiritual blessings, not material or tangible things. And so the blessing that comes in our life or that we want to long for is having God on your side. God on your side. It's so much better than all these tangible things or material things that we might want from God. So we need to know that God wants to bless us, and it's okay for us to pray for God blessing us, but not, not for our prosperity, but for our good which is not always prosperity. We don't, you know, good, being prosperous isn't always good, right? And, and the reality is that none of us deserve the blessing of God. It's not like, God, I've been so good. Would you just please give me blessing? No. Why would God want to bless us? Why would God want to bless us? The answer is so that we can have and be a blessing to others. Not so that we have more ourselves, but that we can bless other people. So when we pray, we ought to say, God, Will you get, make me healthy so that I can serve other people? God, thank you for my health. I pray a blessing on my health, God, because I want to be healthy enough to help other people. I want to live a, a life that, that overflows into the lives of other people. And God, whatever you give me, whatever you give me financially, I'm going to give it away. I'm going I'm to give it to other people. I'm not asking selfishly. I'm asking to give it. And God knows your heart whenever you do that. God, will you give me a place of, uh, of authority or will you give me some influence so that I can influence other people for Christ, so that I can be a blessing to others? That's how Jesus wants to pray. You know, we oftentimes think about prayer coming to him with our wants and our needs, but Jesus said, can you hold up on that just for a few minutes? We'll get to that later. That's down the road. That's a part of the model prayer too. But first come and worship and then pray specifically that God's will would be done and that you would be a part of God's will because you would be a blessing to others. You know, we oftentimes see God. We, we know that God can do everything. We see God as a withholder and we say, well, you know, God, I know you could do all these things for me, but, but God doesn't do those things for me like others. But you know what? Maybe it has a lot to do with our motives. Maybe God doesn't 
give us what we're asking for because our motives in our prayer life are not what they should be. What if we prayed honestly and sincerely, Lord, I will take all that you choose to give me so that I can bless other people with it. In fact, God, I would ask, increase my capacity so I can give more. I want to have more, not for me, but so I can give more. Bless me so I can bless others. And what if we pray, God, bless our church so that we can bless other people? You know, I believe that's an important part, and that's why uh, our church, we give away one-tenth of everything that comes into our church through our, our, our giving, our offerings. We give that away to uh, totally different organizations, ministries, missions all over the world. That's why we do a lot beyond that with what we call Beyond the Walls, which is a part of our budget that goes out into our community. That's why we have other ministries that, that reach out and bless other people. Not for us, but so that we can bless others. It will overflow into the lives of other people. So that was Jabez's first request. God, that you would bless me so that I can bless others. The second request in his prayer was, God, enlarge my territory. Now, when I first read that, I thought, okay, now he gets to the selfish part. I want God, give me some more land. You know, land is value, right? Give me some more wealth. But really, He's requesting here that God would increase his sphere of influence. Enlarging his territory is all about the people that are around him in his life. And so the second prayer that we ought to pray for daily is pray for influence. Pray for influence over people. Pray for more people to influence and to bless. God, say, God, I want to do something that makes a difference in people's lives. I don't want to just be focused on getting more and having more and being happy and because, you know, more doesn't make us happy. I want to do something that makes a difference. And I really believe that the reason that God leaves us on this earth whenever we give our life to Christ is so that we can impact and influence other people. You know, God takes a big risk on us, you know, uh, walking away from him, doesn't he? But, but if we're left here and not taken to heaven right after our conversion, God says, I want you to make a difference in the lives of other people. So we ought to pray that God would give us more influence and more opportunities to influence other people. Listen to what Paul prays. Paul was a, was a man of influence. Paul gave up a, a lucrative job, a position of you know, great responsibility in the Jewish community to follow after Christ. He gave all that up, and he said, God, I want influence over people. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance to his holy people. Paul, this is a prayer. We don't see a lot of prayers in Paul's writing. But he's saying, I want, I'm asking that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would impart that to other people as well, so that we all might know him better. The eyes of our heart would be open to see the bigger picture and that we would have more influence, more impact on the lives of other people. So a great prayer would be, God, would you please help me make a difference in someone's life? God, let me give more. Let me serve more. God, would you help me to help more, to lead more, to mentor more? You know, that's one of the things that we're really focusing on uh, in this coming year is mentoring, which is basic disciple making. We want to encourage believers who are mature in their faith, or no matter where you are, you're probably more mature than someone, just to take the time to invest in someone's life, one-on-one, -on -one, just to mentor them and encourage them. 
to say, God, I want to change the world, but I can't do that alone. I need more influence. Later on in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. We need to have an imagination beyond what we could possibly do, a greater vision of what God has for our lives. And we can only get that through prayer. Do you realize that prayer is where God is, is able to speak back to us as we listen to him? And as we get the bigger picture that God wants for and that God says, I have a plan for you, I have a purpose. It's not for you to have more, it's for you to be more and give more and have greater influence in the lives of others. Here's the third thing that we should pray for, and that is for the presence of God. The presence of God. You know, uh, Jabez says here, God, if you bless me so that I can be a blessing to others, and if you give me more influence, then I will need your hand to be upon me. He was praying for God's hand to be there. Now, we just spent four weeks before this talking about the importance of the Holy Spirit, who, which is the presence of God in our lives. The fact that God gives his spirit to us to be a part of our lives, to come into our hearts and to influence us and lead us and direct us, the, the presence of God in our life. And we talked about the fact that we need to be spirit-filled and spirit-led so that we can use the blessings and influence that God has given us in our lives. Because like Paul says, we're, just, we're, not, we're not mature enough. You know, we're not, we're not there. First, uh, Second Corinthians 3, not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as a minister of a new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, but for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit of God is the best part of us. It's the presence of God in our life. The Holy Spirit of God trumps wisdom, ability, giftedness, wealth, everything else. That he alone can help us use what we have, what we've been given, not only to be blessed, but to bless others and to glorify God. And then with the presence of God in our life, we can use our own abilities to a greater advantage. We talked about the spiritual gifts that, that, that God gives us through His Spirit that, that enhance our own abilities and that, you know, maybe make our own talents be used by God to a greater exa- uh, advantage. So when we have God in our life, we're going to be more effective. We're going to be more influential. We're going to bless more people. And so we ought to pray for the presence of God. And there's one other thing that we ought to pray for every day, and that is something I think we neglect often. And then we suffer. We ought to pray for protection. We ought to pray for protection. If Satan can't keep you out of heaven, if you're a child of God and you know that you have the promise of eternal life, if he can't keep you out of heaven, he's going to attack you. He's going to steal your joy. He's going to rob you of your peace. He's going to bring accusations against you. He's going to keep you from being blessed. He's going to uh, keep you from being an influencer. He's going to keep you from having the presence of God in your life. Satan does not give up on us. In fact, when we give our life to Christ, he intensifies his attacks in our life. And if you have, if you have the blessings of God, the influence of God, or the, the uh, more influence and the presence of God, you are especially going to be a target from him. He's going to intentionally attack you. I've seen it happen so many times. Many times, immediately after someone gives their life to Christ, Satan just, just bears in on them. And you know what? He doesn't come expect as we might expect with horns and a pitchfork, but he, he comes through events. He comes through people and attacks from all sides to discourage us, to disillusion us, to steal our joy. So Jabez says, God... Will you, will you please keep me from harm? 
Will you protect me? We talk about praying like a hedge of protection around a person or a situation ourselves. We ought to pray for protection today. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And here is how Jesus says it a little bit later on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's a prayer of protection that God would protect us from the, the Satan who's trying to destroy us. And it's also a reminder that God is never, ever going to lead us into te- temptation. He's never going to tempt us, never lead us into temptation. It's always going to be our own flesh that makes us weak and gullible to being led into temptation. But we need protection from temptation. You know, it's not wrong to be tempted. Uh, People get confused about that. Some issue that you struggle with, it's not wrong to be tempted. What's wrong is when you give in. But wouldn't it be great if God would just protect us from the temptations up front? If he would just keep us from even being tempted, it would, it would help us, res, you know, resist them more, right? And whenever they come, and they will come, we need not only protection from them, but the will to resist and the strength to resist. And, you know, the source of that is prayer that seeks for God's will to be done, not our will. God, when I'm faced with a temptation, will you give me protection? Will you give me strength so that I am not gullible? And I do not give in. Now, guys, I believe it's so important that uh, these four things actually become a really key part in my, my prayer time. And I think they're significant. It's not the only things we're going to pray for. We'll talk more about that next week and the setting and get really practical next week. But, but I think these four things could serve as a model, a kind of a, you know, an outline of sorts for your prayer life. Because it's so powerful what God did in Jabez's life and what God can do in our life if we're praying for these things. You see, prayer is when we align our hearts with his will. We align ourselves with him, not aligning him with us, but us with him. And Jabez had it right. He really had it right. We ask for his blessing so that we can be a blessing to others. We ask for more influence so that we can impact more people because it's not just about us. We ask for more of his presence so that we can be wise and be led by spirit. And then we ask for God's protection so that we can live a faithful life, a victorious life. You know, God says that whenever we seek him, that we're going to find him. God is not trying to hide from us. He is there inviting us to come to him. And if we are surrendered to him and we seek his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we will help his kingdom come. Can you imagine that you might actually be a part of ushering in the kingdom of God? That God's will, this earth might become like heaven. When God changes our hearts, when God makes things more like he wants it to be through the power of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you what, that begins in us personally. We're not going to bring, we're not going to make earth like heaven until it's our lives are more formed to be like Christ until we're trans, being transformed by his power. And, and that's my challenge to you this, this, this morning. What I want to leave you with is to ask, are you fully surrendered to God? If our task is to bring the will of God to our earth, it has to begin with us. And so that's my personal challenge to you, to ask you, have you surrendered your life to God through Jesus Christ? Have you made a commitment to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 
If you haven't done that, then I would love to have a conversation with you. I'm going to be up front on this side in just a few moments and uh, as we have our communion time. And, uh, and I think Tony will be over on this side. But we just want to make this a time for you to respond and, you know, and, and maybe talk about your next step in your relationship with Christ. And maybe you came in this morning and you were burdened and you need someone to pray with you. You know, the holidays can be a great time, but they can be a lonely time. And, uh, and they can spark a lot of sadness and a lot of hurt in our lives. And so if you want someone to pray with you, just to, to speak to you quietly and uh, spend a moment in prayer, we'd be glad to do that as well. We just want this to be a time of response, a time of submission, a time of acknowledging who Jesus is. And a big part of that is what we're going to do in a second in our time of communion. And uh, we're going to be asking you guys to get up and to respond. If you can't do that, we have some, our deacons will we'll bring a tray to you if you'd like. But we're asking people to, to get up because sometimes we need to respond to what God is teaching us and respond in coming forward and uh, in, in our time of communion. Every Lord's Day, we as a church offer this as a chance for people to be focused on and to uh, celebrate what Jesus has done for us. The communion is what Jesus uh, gave to us, the Lord's Supper, right before he was arrested. It was a time that he gave his disciples uh, a piece of bread and a cup of juice and said, this, do this in remembrance of me, signifying that he was about to die. The bread that would represent his body that was broken and the cup that would represent his blood that would be shed. And so this is a part of what we do on a regular basis just to be reminded. It's also a time of meditation. It's a time of submission. Not that we're, many of us are worthy, but instead a time that we focus on what Jesus has done for us in spite of our not deserving it. And so we invite you, if you are a believer, to come up and to share. And we ask people just to come up the middle aisles and, and they go around the outside to kind of keep it orderly. But let's pray together as we go into that time of response. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, we do want to pray. Uh, we want to seek you, Lord. God, we want to ask for your blessing, not for more because we all have more than we need. But we ask for your blessing so that it might be a blessing to others. God, we, uh, we seek your your influence, more influence, because we want to be used by you. God, to understand that life is not about ourselves; It's about impacting the lives of others. God, would you give us more influence? God, would you give us your presence in greater amounts on a regular basis as we increasingly know you, love you, serve you through your spirit? Then, Heavenly Father, would you protect us Keep us from the evil one so that we might be found faithful in every way when you return. Father, now as we share in this time of communion, we pray, Lord, that you would draw our thoughts back to the cross when Jesus gave it all for us, when he poured his life out and what that means to us and how our response should be. Father, uh, you invite us to the table. And Lord, as we come, would we do so acknowledging the death of Christ, supreme sacrifice for us, Lord. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.